0: Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. Erev Tov, everybody. Welcome to another edition of our Thursday night parashat HaShavua class. Here, live from Thornhill, Ontario, Canada, wherever you are listening in the world, this is where we are. This is where we get together at least once a week to enjoy some really, really yummy food, and that uh, we get to learn Torah at the same time. And it's great to have people here in person listening, and as well, you online, hello to you. Thank you for joining tonight live, and for those listeners listening on the podcast and the recording at FindingHoliness.com. Thank you very much for all your Thank support. You. Chodesh Tov. Happy month. It is Rosh Chodesh Kislev tonight. Baruch Hashem. Tonight, Shi'ur has been graciously sponsored by Mr. Shimon Azulai in memory of his father, Azulai Zichron Azulay, as well as Mr. and Mrs. David Magazinich, in memory of his grandfather, Yosef Zri, and Ben Habib, as well by Mr. Morris Ben Haim in memory of his mother, Rachel Ben Chaim Zichrona the words of Torah that we say this evening (coughs) Amen. What can we say about Parashat Toledot the blessings of all blessings was it to the right person or not Yah Yaakov and Esav the moment of truth to get those very very holy blessings those words that that penetrate the heart and soul of every Jew. Many Jews have the custom to recite this every Motzei Shabbat <coughs> after Havdalah, these Pesukim, corresponding to the ultimate beracha, <coughs> so that it should be a week of blessing. <coughs> but what I want to focus on today <coughs> is what happens right before that. Right before that blessing, we are introduced to the birth of Yaakov and Isav, after 20 years of being barren, Rifka gives birth to two twins, to a pair of twins, Yaakov and Esav, two extreme opposite of brothers. One of them is Ishtam Yosebo Alim. Yaakov being a man of tents, a man of study, a man of truth, a man of completion. And <clears throat> you have Esav, who is, what can I say, a hairy guy who loves the field and uh, loves Olam Hazeh. And for whatever reason, reasons that we're going to talk about today, we notice in the parasha how Yitzchak Avinu loves his son Esav. et Esav. He loves Esav his son, Kitzaid Befib, For trapping was in his mouth. This is what the Torah tells us. And Rashi... In, Explains what does that mean, Kitzaid that there was trapping in his mouth. So the Rashi says he knew how to deceive his father. He had the ability to snare him and, and trick him. And he would ask him questions on halakha that if you didn't know any better, you would think, wow, this guy really knows his beans. Isa would ask him questions such as, Abba, how do you take ma'aser from salt? How do you take maaser? from from straw. Now, you're not supposed to take ma'aser from salt and straw, but these are the questions that Esav was asking Gitzchak. How do you tithe these items? And his father was under the impression that he was very meticulous regarding the mitzvot. Any person that asks questions like this, wow, it's unbelievable. So, there's a lot of questions going on over here. Number one, why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who orchestrated everything, of course, why did he arrange for Yitzchak to love Asav due to these deceptive questions? <laughs> what was happening behind the scenes of these questions? We have a Pasuk, we say every Friday night in <laughs> that the lovers of God despise the evil. God protects the lives of those devout ones, of this Chasidav, and he rescues them from the hands of evil. And uh, so, if that's the case, It would seem uh, that it it would have been better had Yitzchak recognized the evil of Esav. He was an evil man, murderer, Oved Abodah like what's going on over here? We also have to try to explore what really perplexes all the the Mefarshim. is why did Yitzchak originally want to give the blessings to Esav? Okay, you love your son, but why give him the blessings? Especially when it became evident and he realized that Yaakov, you know, took the blessings from Esav, what does Yitzchak say? He endorses the act. He says, so too, okay, he will be blessed, meaning that the, the blessing will stand by Yaakov. So, okay, you love your son for some reason, we got to figure that out, which is very strange because he's a Rasha. And second, you want to give him the blessings? If the blessing, especially that you know that it's Gambaruch Baruch you accepted it and, and you approved of it later on. <clears throat> so to begin answering all these questions, we're going to go a lot of different places today. So I need you to follow with me. But it's really unbelievable some of the chidushim that we're going to say. The first chidush we're going to say is in the name of the Arizal. And the Arizal addresses the statement of et esav ki that Yitzchak loved Esav because trapping was in his mouth. And he said, he also asked the question, how could Yitzhak be so mistaken? How, how do you make a mistake like this? He loved Esav and failed to recognize that he, uh, that he was wicked. So look what Rizal says. He says that the holy neshamot of the Jewish leaders in history were trapped in Esav's mouth. Hence the title called Esav's mouth. That was the title of tonight's class. And who were these leaders? Namely, Shemaya and Avtalion, Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Akiva. These were the big Chachamim, the Tanaim that were trapped in the mouth of Esav. What do all of these have in common? What do these all these Tanaim have in common? They were all getting, they were all converts descending from Esav HaRasha. In addition, he adds something else. And he says, <coughs> quotes a Targum Yonatan, who explains that when Esav wanted to pre- prevent the Shevatim, later on, when he wanted to prevent the Shevatim from burying Yaakov in Me'arat Machpelah. Hushim, who was the son of Dan, <clears throat> intervened, and he grabbed a sword and decapitated Esav, and Esav's head rolled into Me'arata Machpelah and came to rest, the Targum Yonatan says, on the lap of, of Yitzchak. Or, meaning, meaning, right next to where Yitzchak was uh, was buried, in Ma'arat HaMachpelah. <clears throat> so, Esav's children buried his body in the field of Machpelah, but the head was in the cave. So, we have to figure out what merited that the head enter the cave and not the rest of the body. But, based on what we just quoted from the Arizal, that Esav's head contained the holy neshamot of these leaders of B'nai Israel. Prominent scholars, famous Tanaim, the offspring of Gerim, <coughs> and therefore it was uh, orchestrated from Shamaim that um, uh, Esab's head be detached from his impure, unholy body, and the head which which is concealing all of these holiness Shamot, this treasure, be buried in Ma'arat HaMachbilah alongside Yitzchak, the source of Kedusha. This is what the Arizal says. <coughs> wow, okay, if I, if I stop the shoe right here. All right, go home and think about that one and come back and uh, and uh, speak about it. That already is a very, very huge novelty by the Arizal. But we're going to see a lot of great things today. Says the, the Ma'or Enaim, another great um, commentary on the parasha. And he presents the Arizal uh, with an additional clarification. And he writes the following. She'itzchak <clears> ahavet esav ki befir, ki nishmat rabbi akiva, He says that when Esav spoke, Yitzchak was able to perceive specifically the voice of Rabbi Akiva, seeing as his neshama was held captive inside (laughs) Esav's head. So later on he actually goes on to say that, that Yitzchak heard all these voices. He heard Shemaya, Avtalyon, Rabbi Meir, and Rabbi Akiva. But it was the voice of Rabbi Akiva that stood out. He especially heard that voice. So now, what What does this mean? How are we supposed to understand that he specifically heard the, uh, the uh, Rabbi Akiva's voice? So he explains Rashi's comment that we spoke about at the start of the class. Why, what does it mean Befiv? when Esav would ask him these <clears throat> eloquent questions of how do you tithe salt and straw, and his father was under the impression that he was meticulous with regards to performing the mitzvot. It's unclear why Yitzchak was so impressed with these questions specifically. Salt and straw. There are a lot of questions that you could ask to make you sound smart. There's a lot of people that I see every single day <laughs> that very, very intelligently, but they're really, you know, okay, they're, uh, you know, maybe not on the uh, high, higher scale of, uh, you know, academics and that. Uh, okay, but a lot of, a lot of things, is that what specifically with salt and straw caught his attention? This is an unbelievable Hiddush by the Maori Ma- 9. He says, After Rabbi Akiva married his wife Rachel, at the time he was just Akiva. The uh, Rachel was the daughter of a very wealthy man named Kalba Savua. Well, a lot of people here know the story. The father disowned her and Akiva banished them from his home because, hey, you know, I, I'm providing you with all the money and you're going to marry this shepherd, this guy. You know, you want, he's going to go learn now. He's 40 years old. Like, what are you doing? You're wasting my time. Well, what, what kind of life are you going to live over? So he banished, banished both of them from the home. Penniless, they were now forced to sleep. Uh, the Gemara says where the straw was soared and with no pillow or blanket to cover them. Chachamim explained that Eliyahu and Avi came dressed as a poor man and called out to them from the entrance and said, please give me some straw because my wife just gave birth and I need to lay her down on something. We don't have a bed. We're, all, we're poor, we don't have a bed. I need to lay her down on something. So Rabbi Akiva at that point looked at his wife, who I guess at the time was missing home a little bit, And said to his wife, you see, this man also doesn't have straw. He also needs straw. We have straw. We can provide for him. So Mepharshim explained that Eliyahu Navi came to Rabbi Akiva and his wife at that time to show them that there were were poor people in the world worse off than both of them. That was the reason why they were there. Now, even though the Gemara doesn't actually explicitly say that Rabbi Akiva gave Eliyahu Navi the straw, it's clear that he gave the poor man the straw for him and his wife to sleep on. It's obvious that he would, based on the way the conversation was going. So, says the Mordor 9, what transpired when Esav inquired <laughs> from Yitzchak how to tie straw, Esav clearly intended to deceive his father. That was his that was point. No, he's not stupid. I'm going to try to deceive my father. I'm going to, man, I'm going to show him a, you know, I'm, I'm a big sadiq when really he's a faker. He wanted to give him the impression that he was meticulous with the mitzvot. But with Ruach HaKodesh, Yitzchak, like we said, Yitzchak heard the voice of Rabbi Akiva coming out of the mouth of Esav, alluding to the straw that he was destined to give to Eliyahu Navi despite extreme poverty. And therefore, <speaking in Hebrew> Yitzchak loved Esav thinking that he too Performed the mitzvah diligently, just like Rabbi Akiva, in his state of poverty, was able to give the straw when he barely had straw. Tehiliyahu Nabi because his wife gave birth, so he heard that from from he heard the voice of Rabbi Akiva from the mouth when he from his mouth when he asked him about the straw. He said, "Wow, ah, you have He realized maybe my son also performs a mitzvah like this too. So I'm um, unbelievable. This now makes a lot of sense based on what the Arizal is saying, right? That Esav's head rolled into Me'arata Machpelah, and the merit of the holiness Shemot that were inside of it. Yitzchak heard the voices of the holy Tanaim, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Akiva, coming from Esav's mouth. His head contained some degree of kedusha. There was some element of holiness over there and deserved to be buried in Me'arata Machpelah, separate from his contaminated body. That answers the question about straw. We're still left with salt. Those are two questions that he asked according to Rashi. So what is, is there any re- resemblance or any uh, connection of straw with Rabbi Akiva in the Talmud? There actually is. There's a Gemaran in Masechet Eruvin, Daf Mem Aleph Amud Aleph, that discusses the laws regarding Tisha'a Be'av that falls on a Friday. Nowadays, Tisha Be'av does not fall on a Friday. But before the set calendar was made, it was possible that Tisha B'Av can fall on a Friday. And the question is, if Tisha B'Av falls on a Friday, do we extend the fast until the end of the day? Meaning go right into Shabbat. Okay. Or must I stop my fast before Shabbat begins? Eat something small in order that I don't begin Shabbat in a state of pain and suffering. Like I don't want to start Shabbat and I'm hungry. That's not the proper way to start Shabbat. So that's the Machloket going on. So this is what the manah says. If Tisha be'ah falls out on Friday, we bring him an egg to eat. So, so that he doesn't enter Shabbat in a state of suffering. Learning a bright, said, Rabbi Yudah learned, Once I was sitting in front of Rabbi Akiva. It was it was a Friday that Tisha B'av was on. And they gave him a hard-boiled egg. Complete, he swallowed it without salt. That's what Rabbi Akiva did. It's not that he was hungry for it but rather to show the students halacha that you don't complete the fast of Tisha B'Av right until Shabbat, but rather you eat something. And the Baita says that Rabbi Yoseh disagrees with Rabbi Akiva and that you have to continue uh, eating in there. Now, what's interesting is that Tosafot on this Gemara says that Rabbi Akiva at that moment was actually dangerously ill. He was very, very sick. And the doctors brought Rabbi Akiva this egg. They were the ones that brought him this egg, this roasted egg, to swallow without salt. Maybe I guess salt may have been detrimental for him. They did it without salt, and that's the key. And Rabbi Uda Tosso said, didn't know that he was dangerously ill. He didn't, he didn't see, the re- investigate the exact reason why he ate the egg. He just figured, okay, he's eating the egg because to show the people the, the halacha. So what do we see from this story? that Rabbi Akiva was dangerously ill to the, fa- to the fast, and nevertheless, what's happening here? He made sure to consume the egg without salt to emphasize the suffering that a person should go through over the, over the Chuban Bet HaMikdash. And just not to go into Shabbat, that's the reason why we did it. So based on this story, what can we suggest? Esav asked Abba, how do we tithe salt and straw? Again, Yitzchak perceived the voice of Rabbi Akiva coming from the mouth of Esav because Rabbi Akiva's neshama was stored inside Esav's head and Yitzchak perceived that he wanted to learn from him to set aside the salt for HaKadosh Baruch not to eat the egg with salt to give the straw to the poor man all of it was one the straw for the poor man who needed to give to his wife to put aside the salt just, to, just so that it's not an extra taste all of this was all done lishma. And Yitzchak noticed this. He realized this from the mouth of, uh, of Esav. And he said, wow, uh, what, what a son I have. This is unbelievable. I got an I got amazing son, Tzaddik over here. Unbelievable. Says Rabbi Chas Friedman, why did Yitzchak, who heard Rabbi Akiva's voice, why was that voice the one that was most noticeable of all ones? All of all the Tanaim that were trapped inside the head. There is a, a very famous Midrash in Esther. Um, in, uh, from the inception of creation. That God prepared for each and every individual what he would, would require. Abraham was the foremost, was the chief of the circumcised because he was the mitzvah, the first to... Abritmila. ne Yitzhak was the foremost of the bound ones, because he was Akedat Yitzhak. And Yaakov rosha temimim. And Yaakov was that of the pure. What's the meaning of this midrash? So based on the famous Ramban of Ma'ase Avot Siman Nabanim, that the actions of our avot, our signs, relate to the behavior of that's going to take place with, our, with the children that Yitzchak Avinu paved the way for all Jews in the future to sacrifice their lives to sanctify Akados Baruch because Yitzchak as, as the Midrash said was Roshla Ne'ay Kadim he was the chief of those who were bound that gave the strength to Klal Yisrael in the future whoever wanted to sanctify themselves for the sake of God that's where it comes from when Yitzchak had himself tied on the Mizbeach from that moment on it was ingrained in the neshamot. It was ingrained in not only in the neshamot, in the nature, in the physical nature of the people to follow that drive to sanctify themselves, forego their lives and spirits, and sanctify HaKadosh name. And time and time again over history, we saw this. We, th- we saw this in the Inquisitions. We saw this in the pogroms. We saw it in the Holocaust. Tonight's Roschodes Kislev. Who more than the Maccabees? Who are the Maccabees? Judah Maccabee, Jonathan Maccabee, Shimon el Elazar Maccabee. All of them. All of them died in battle. Every different battles, but they all died fighting these wars against the Greeks, who were trying to to poison their brains with uh, Greek philosophy to remove all um, uh, all emblems of Torah. What there is no Torah, no Shabbat, no Milah. All the basics of our Noros Hodes. All the basics of what the Jewish person prides himself on, and they said, "We're going to fight. We're going to fight," and they all died. Unfortunately, they died. They died in battle. Where did they get this strength from? They got it from Yitzhak. This is what we call, by the way, Torah Chesed, the concept of Torah Chesed. When you pass things down, the Gemara says, it quotes a pasuk in Mishlei. We say in Eshet Chayil, Pia Patcha beChokma, veTorat Chesed al What's Torah Chesed? Gemara asks, there's a Torah of kindness and a Torah of not kindness. What do you call a Torah of kindness for? So Gemara gives two answers. Torah lishma, zui Torah shelchesed. A Torah that's for the sake of heaven, that's called Torah shel Chesed. And if it's not lishma, it's not Torah shel Chesed. That's the first answer. Second answer is Torah lelamda. Torah that you're going to pass on, you're going to teach other people. So Torah Chesed. And if you're not going to teach it, if you're going to keep it from yourself, then that's not Torah. Torah Shel Chesed. So both opinions actually represent divine truth over here. They're interconnected. To test whether or not a person studies Torah Lishma is to see whether or not he teaches it to other people. And as well, also doing it to enhance the glory of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. When someone doesn't teach Torah to, to others, and keeps it themselves it's an indication that he's not learning Torah Lishma it's for his own self-glorification. So we can appreciate that he's at this moment Merited becoming the foremost, the chief of those who are bound, Hanekadim Kadim, in every generation due to the fact that he self-sacrificed himself at Akedah. And he was willing to sanctify the name of at Baruch Hu at that moment, without any reservations, without any excuses, without uh, at no cost. I'm just doing it. And in doing so, he taught the trait to others. He passed it on. Torah Chesed. This trait became ingrained in the nature of the people of Am Yisrael to sacrifice their lives Kedushat Hashem. so we all know the story we all know the story of rabbi akiva but let's let's remind our listeners of the story of rabbi akiva mm-hmm. concerning rabbi akiva's willingness to sacrifice his life for the sake of Kedushat Hashem. once a time where the evil nation regime that's rome uh, decreed that the Jewish people should not engage in Torah. Rabbi Akiva said, Yeah, that's not happening under my watch. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> to teach. I'm going to, I got to pass. It's Torah Chesed. I got to teach. Amru, <laughs> 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 <rude>. they said, <laughs> Yeah, okay. Eventually they caught him <laughs> into the jail. <laughs> and when they took him out to kill him, it was a time of Keriyachemav. And they would comb his flesh shel barzel, with iron combs. <speaking in Hebrew> and Rabbi Akiva would accept the yoke of heaven at that moment. <speaking in Hebrew> his students told him, Rabbenu Adkan, even to this extent, at this point, you're getting killed and you're still saying Shema Israel? There's a lot of uh, mefarshim on that question. Adkan, <speaking in Hebrew> he said to them, "Call." Yamai, famous line, al Pasuk my whole life, I was thinking of this pasuk, with all your soul, meaning even when they're taking your soul. And I said to myself, When is it going to come to me so that I can fulfill that? And now, and it's here, now that I have the opportunity to sacrifice myself, I'm not going to fulfill the mitzvah. So he would lengthen the word echad in the first pasuk, and his neshamah left him. Praiseworthy to Rabbi Akiva that his neshama left him with the word uh, echad. So what is it? Been? Unbelievable. Look at the connection now. Can you see the connection? The Rabbi Akiva says, All my life I'm troubled by this pasuk. When am I going to be able to fulfill this? Based on the Benu b'chaye, on that pasuk, v'avta'tashem, v'chol levavach, v'chol nafshecha, v'chol meodecha, says on Rechaye the following, keneged Avraham, Mishchak those through Those three, v'ahavtas, v'chol levavach, v'chol nefshecha, v'chol meodecha, is Avraham t'at Yaakov, v'chol levavach, with all your hearts, is Avraham she'ahav hakadosh baruchu, v'chol levavot, he loved God with all of his heart, v'ymshik levavot l'emunato, and he brought other people to love him, through his faith. v'chol nefshecha... That is, Keneged Yischak, Shemasar Nafsal Gavemisba, because he was willing to 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 die for the sake of God. So, your soul, and of course, with all your possessions, Keneged Yaakov, Shifris Maaseh B'chol Mamono Ba'filu Mibanav. That Yaakov separated. He tithed, He took ten percent for the Zerah Kadosh Baruch So we see that the command to love Hashem with all your soul corresponds to Yischak Avinu, who offered up his life during the akeda and that act. Paved the way for the rest of Cloud Israel, the generations to a power and dedication to sacrifice your own lives. And it was for that exact reason that Rabbi Akiva expressed that desire at that moment where he was dying to fulfill the Pasuk, the command of the with all your soul, soul that has troubled him through all of his life. He wanted to emulate who? He wanted to emulate his forefather. wanted to emulate Yitzchak chakabinu, sacrifice his own life, al Kiddush Hashem. Unbelievable. So now we know why Yitzchak adored the voice of Rabbi Akiva coming out of Esav's mouth. More so than the voices of Rabbi Meir or the voice of Shemaya Naftalion. Rabbi Akiva who performed the ultimate sacrifice demonstrated to Yitzchak definitively that his selfless act at the time of the Akedah is what gave Rabbi Akiva that power to sacrifice his own life for Kiddush Hashem. Woo! Wonderful, amazing. Let's go on one more. Let's do. Let's do another one. Let's look at it from a different angle here. So we kind of, in a way, solved the Rabbi Akiva puzzle. <clears throat> <clears throat> Yitzchak loved Esav for there was trapping in his mouth. There is a, uh, and we said that Yitzchak perceived the voice of Rabbi Akiva coming from Esav's mouth. This can also be learned from a very famous machloket between Rabbi Yehuda and Rabbi Meir. Here's Rabbi Meir. Regarding an, in, a certain, an interpretation in a pasuk. The pasuk says, Banim atem I think it's Parashat Re'e, I believe, yeah. Remember Parashat Re'e. You are children to Hashem, your God. The Gemara says, Bizman she'atem, this is the name of Rabbi Yehuda, Bizman she'atem no'agim minhag banim, atem keruim banim. When you behave like children, God considers you your children. En atem noagim banim, en atem banim. Rabbi Uda, says, when you behave like good children, God considers you your children. When you don't behave like good children, you are not considered God's children. Rabbi Meir says, ben kach ben kach, atem banim. No, no, no. You're always God's children. Makes no difference. Shneemar, and he quotes a whole bunch of, of, of pesukim, yirmiyah, they are foolish children, so even when they're fools, are called children, a children in whom there is no loyalty, so even when they're not loyal, they're referred to as children, and he, he quotes a, 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 few, a few pesukim. So now, who's right? Rabbi Uda or Rabbi Mehdi? When Jews sin, are they considered God's children or they're not? It's a big question here. Am I considered the son of God, even though I'm a Rasha? Yes or no? If Rabbi Yudah is right, then no, I'm not. And if Rabbi Meir is right, oh, i got something to hope for. So now, there's a rule, the a fundamental principle brought down the Gemara Nehruvin. Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Uda Halacha ke Rabbi Uda. Whenever Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Uda argue, Halacha is like Rabbi Uda. It's generally the rule. Now, you know, we learned that Rabbi Meir Balanesh was so holy that we we, we know he's right, but we just can't figure it out. But then the Halacha is like Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Uda. So, according to this principle, it seems that we're only considered God's children, when we are behaving properly. And if we're not behaving properly, then chas v'shalom, God, uh, okay, you know what, uh, sit in the corner, and uh, I don't know, we'll see what you do, teshubah. <clears throat> Yet, that's not what a chachamim say. Chachamim say, this is an exception. Yes, Rabbi Yudah is right 99% of the time. But this case, Rabbi Meir is right. That under all circumstances, we're referred to as God's children because it's self evident from the Pesukim, from all these Pesukim that we see the where the children are called as fools, as unloyal, disloyal, and all these things. <clears throat> nevertheless, they're so called children. Now, who did Rabbi Akiva hold like? What did, Rabbi Akiva was the student, was a teacher of Rabbi Meir and, and Rabbi Uda Barilai, right? Rabbi, Rabbi Akiva lost 24,000 students in, in the, during the time of Svirata Omer. And he had to, he had to find new students, otherwise the Torah would have disappeared. And he found these, these five. Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi El all these, uh, and Rabbi Uda. So, who does Rabbi, who does Rabbi Akiva hold on. Like? So, I direct you to yet another story. Uh, a story by, with Rabbi Akiva, and the wicked Turnus Rufus. The story goes, we won't read it in, in uh, inside because it's long. The story goes where Tunus Rafus is trying to push the buttons of Rabbi Akiva, trying to challenge him on HaKadosh Baruch and why we even believe in HaKadosh Baruch And this was the question that he poses. He says, if your God loves poor people, so why doesn't he provide for them? God loves everybody. And you have poor people who struggle financially, who struggle with food, who struggle with everything. Why doesn't God provide for them if he's just a great God? So, Rabbi Akiva gives a classic answer. Basically, he wants us to give tzedakah. By us giving him tzedakah, we are saved from the judgment of Gainam. This is our opportunity to give them tzedakah, and this is how we're saved. Tunus Rufus looks at Rabbi Akiva and goes, What do you think I'm an idiot? Are you going to bring that upon me? The opposite, the contrary. This is what brings you to Gainam was so looking, scratching his head, going down, he goes, well, I'm going to give you an analogy to Nusafu says. If there was a king who was angry with his servant, and he confined him to a prison, you made me upset, you're going to jail for 30 days. Okay, or a week. And then you're going to get no food, and you're going to get no drink. You're going to suffer in this room. Darkness, isolation, Is it no food, no nothing. And then one man comes in, behind the king's back, and gives him food and drink when the king hears of this don't you think that he's going to be upset at the man and you are called servants you are called uh, the servants so how can you do such a thing you're going against your king good answer good response if you ask me uh, Bi'akiva uh, outwitted uh, Tunusufus Bi'akiva goes to Tunusufus and he says I'm going to give you an analogy now he says if a human king was angry at his son and confined him to a prison compared to his son, was angry at a a prison. And he ordered him not to give him food or drink for whatever amount of time. And then one man went behind the king's back to give the king's son some food or drink. When the king hears of this, won't he give the man a reward? You're taking care of my son. That you care for my son. He said to Tenus we are called sons. We are not called servants. We are called sons. So Tenus says, okay, that's a good one. So he tells, so he goes to Rabbi Akiva, he says, I see, you are called sons and you are called servants. And T'nushu says, when you act according to the will of God, then you're called sons. And when you don't act according to the will of God, then you are called servants. But now you're in Galut. Now you don't have a beta migdash. So you're not acting in accordance with Hakadosh Baruchu. So it's not permissible for you to give tzedakah because now you're like the like the slave that was put in, into the jail, and you're going against the king. So how do you give tzedakah to the poor guy? So Bekiva answered him, based on, on, on the pasuk, uh, the, the, the pasuk in uh, Yishayahu, that says, here, <clears> tavi <throat> which means, you will break your bread for the hungry, and wailing poor you will bring to the house. Rabbi Akiva says, When does wailing poor you will bring to the house? Ha'idna, now in galut, when we're not doing the will of God. And yet the pasuk still says you will break bread for the hungry. So even when we're galut, we're still obligated to give tzedakah. So this pasuk teaches me that even when we're not fulfilling the will of Akados Baruch Hu, it's still imperative to help the needy. Because we're still considered children in the eyes of Rabbi Akiva. And therefore, Rabbi Akiva holds like Rabbi Meir here. The other way around. Rabbi Meir, okay, Rabbi Meir was a student. But we know that Rabbi Akiva held like that. Like what Rabbi Meir said. That we are considered children even when we go against the will of God. So how can Rabbi, uh, small questions, how can Rabbi Udah go against what his rabbi said? Right, right. Rabbi Akiva holds that we're we're always considered children. How can Rabbi Udah say No. Can I answer that, the, this, the, the argument between Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi uh, between Rabbi Uda and Rabbi Meir took place before <coughs> Rabbi Akiva was their mentor and teacher, like when Rabbi Akiva had the other students. Um, so now, everything's starting to fit together a little bit over here, as we're going to see. Rabbi Akiva also says in Mishnah in Perkeavot, it's a Mishnah in Perkeavot, says, Rabbi Akiva chavivin Yisrael shinikreu banim lamakum. <laughs> Beloved are the Jews, are Israel." Since they are called children of Akados Baruch Hu, Chibayetera No Dat greater is that love. Sheni Banim Banim LaMakom, in that it was made known to them that they are called the children of Hashem. Shlemar Banim Atem LaShimukachem. Why? Why the double language? Mefarshim ask. You already told me Chabivin Israel. So why Chibayetera? So Chachamim tell us Chabivin Israel is reflecting the viewpoint of Rabbi Akiva. Chavivin refers when they act according to God's will. And a greater is when even when they don't act in God's will, HaKadosh Baruch still loves his children. They're still dear, dear to, to, to God, the Jewish people. So let's go back to Yitzchak and Arizal's comment. Yitzchak loved esav because trapping was in his mouth. That was referring to the neshamot of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Meir that were contained inside the head of of Esav. Recall that we said in the name of the Maor that Yitzchak loved Esav because he heard the voices of the Tana'im bursting from his mouth, bursting from the throat, and particularly the voice of Rabbi Akiva. So what can we say? What exactly was Yitzchak hearing? What voice? What was Rabbi Akiva saying? What was coming out of the mouth of Esav? He sensed that he was hearing Rabbi Akiva's ruling. That the Halakha follows like Rabbi Meir, who also was inside Esau's head. That the Halakha says that we're always called God's children. We're always, even when we sway from the path, even when we're in Galut, even when when, when you're, you're, you're the worst, you're, you're in the mud, you're in the dirt, you're filthy, you're contaminated with tumah. Because since B'nai Israel are considered God's children, even when we act in opposition to akados Baruch Hu's Ratzon, and what does that imply? That even Esav is God's child. That's the chidush. That's the significance of the pasuk. Vayehav Yitzhak, et Esav. loved Esav even though he didn't act according to God's will. Why? Because it was trapping in his mouth. Because he heard Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Meir and their determination to believe and to teach that B'nai Israel are considered children of God, whether or not they abide by God's will. And that's even insinuated by Rashi, that, Yis- that Esav knew how to ensnare and deceive his father with his mouth by asking him, Abba, how do you tithe salt? How do you tithe straw? Yes, we know Esav was deceiving his father. Yitzchak, however, he perceived the voice of Rabbi Akiva, ruling like Rabbi Meir, and that prompted to ask, HaKadosh Baruch Abba, looking up, now I'm going to ask you, God, Abba, how do you tithe straw? How do you tithe salt? In other words, how do you draw Jews closer to, to you, to the Almighty? Who, how do you draw, bring close those neshamot that are so far away They are so lowly that they resemble salt, that they resemble straw. They are so far from Kedushah that they don't even require tithing. The separation of Ma'aseed. Salt doesn't require tithing because it's inanimate. Straw doesn't require tithing because it's not actual food. Yet, they are still considered God's children. and We have to draw them closer to God. So how do we do it? Therefore, Yitzchak loved Esav. I'm going to love my son. Yeah, he's not a good—he's not a good kid. He goes out. I don't know what he does. Abu Dazara murders, kills. It's really, really bad. But he's my son, because he's God's child, and I'm going to love him in order to draw him closer. And that's why he wanted to give him the berachot, and that's why he felt maybe he can change. But truth was, Esav was not one of God's children. Ki yikare lechazara through Yitzchak God told Avraham through Yitzchak yikare lechazara expounding on Pasuk why is it ki be Yitzchak be Yitzchak means only part of Yitzchak ve lo kol Yitzchak not all of Yitzchak sure said kol Yitzchak if it would have said kol Yitzchak then it would have meant Yaakov and Esav but be Yitzchak means just Yaakov so yes you are a living creature Esav but you're not one of God's children. You're not one of us. You're not an Israel. You're not Bani Matem L'Hashem And that's where he realized he couldn't do it. So what happens? He gives a brachot to Yaakov instead. He proceeds to reveal the, the amazing brachot. What did HaKadosh Baruch Hu do? He arranged, orchestrated, one of the most deceiving, cunning, Modes by anybody ever done? What Rivkah does in this week's Berachot, everybody goes to town, gets him dressed. Yeah, the, the 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 Esav's clothing, the sand, everything, just so that he can get that Berachot. This was all orchestrated by God, orchestrated for Yishak to hear Rabbi Akiva's voice from Esav's throat prior. He needed to hear that because he heard. Rabbi Akiva, hold like Rabbi Meir, that we are all considered God's children, no matter how to behave, even though this doesn't apply to Esav Arashah, like we explained. But look at what the Sefer Yismach Israel says. He says, A Baruch Hu worked it out that Yaakov Avinu received the Berachot from Yitzchak. How did he receive the Berachot? While dressed in Esav's clothing. Avot Siman al-Banim, what? So that the descendants of Yaakov the descendants of Yaakov, the children of Israel, would be entitled to those Berachot even when their external behavior resembles that of Esav. Even when you're acting like Esav and you're so far away from the source, you're so far away from the nucleus, from the energy, you're literally wearing his clothing, you look and feel like him, you're still going to get the Berachot. Unbelievable. And now we know that Abraham Avinu served uh, with the Midav Chesed. Yitzchak served Hashem with the Midav Din Pacha Yitzchak, as we say. So, what, what should have happened? What should have happened when Yitzchak heard that Yaakov took the blessings from him, disguised as Esav? He had the ability to impose Din right then and there. He could have just said, you know, who knows, one of Yitzchak's bang, and that would be the end of it. And declare that Israel was not worthy of receiving those berachot. And in fact, Yaakov was worried about this. When his when his when his mom, Vifka, went up to him and told him about the plan that she devised. What did he say? be'nav kim Maybe my father's gonna touch me. And I'm gonna be considered like a mocker in his eye. Whoa, if Yisra curses me? If that will happen, I'm done, I'm finished. I don't stand a chance. I'm dressing like Esav to extend a beracha that, that, that he wants to give to somebody else? He's going to curse me. So HaKadosh Baruch Berov Rahama in all of his mercy and kindness, arranged for Yitzchak to love Esav, even though he was evil. It was all part of the plan. Ki Because he perceived the voice of Rabbi Akiva trapped inside Esav's head. The same voice who ruled according to Rabbi Akiva, that even when Bnei Yisrael don't act in accordance with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they are still called his children. And for that reason, that's why he wanted to give the Berachot, as he wanted to give the Berachot to Esav. Yet when Yitzchak realized that HaKadosh Baruch Hu arranges all of this, Yaakov disguised as Esav so that he can receive the Berachot, he understood. Yitzchak realized it's only to Rabbi Akiva's descendants it's only to Yaakov's descent, descendants, which is Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva's ruling of Bani Matel Okechem <laughs> is only for the children of Yaakov, B'nai Israel. They're the ones who are deserving the Beracha, even when they resemble Esav externally, even when they're failing, <laughs> even when they're falling, even when they're sinning. Chas <laughs> because deep down inside, way inside their neshama, beneath the facade, beneath the fakeness, beneath all the uh, the falsehood that they live with, in truth, they resemble Yaakov Avinu. Kam Baruch And that's how we interpret this week's parasha. Wishing everybody a wonderful night.